Today, Sally Lucas, well, we're going to look at the uh, possibilities for travel around the place and maybe go a little bit subantarctic. Why not, Jane? To NURFM, your easy listening favourites and the home of talking travel as well. Sally Lucas joins us. Now, Sally Lucas, um, it is winter. We are feeling cool and you're talking about the subantarctic. I know. Was that wise? <laughs> Maybe not. But, I mean, let's just put it this way. You won't be nearly as cold here as you would be if you went to the subantarctic. So there's a positive. You're still warmer here today. Feel feel warm, everybody. Feel the warmth. Feel the warmth. But yeah. the uh, remote subantarctic... Antarctic Islands, they are a region that is, I guess, it's re- number one, it's remote, but they're beautiful and they consider them a, like a forgotten paradise. And of course, they all have a UNESCO World Heritage status as well, all of the islands down there. And they're home to the most abundant and unique wildlife on earth, with many species of birds, plants and invertebrates found nowhere else in the world. And we do have a couple of cruise vessels who do go down there, which is why I'm talking about it. I mean, I wouldn't talk about it if you couldn't get there. <laughs> so you might be thinking, why is she talking about these remote islands? No one lives there. There's no one down there. No, that's... So that's where are they, actually? Well, I'm about, oh, about, we're getting I'm, there. I'm, we're getting there. So they do have a very strict management plan that restricts the number of people allowed ashore each year because of, you know, naturally to protect their environment and the the wildlife as well as the um, the flora as well and heritage expeditions and different and a wildlife and wilderness to operate tours to the islands at various times throughout the year and also now Ponant the French cruise line has been given permission to operate cruises down there as well but you might only find like there's one or two a year you know so that's not something that happens on a regular basis now these islands are to the south and a bit southwest and east of of the bottom of New Zealand of the South Island of New Zealand um, which is between them and of course and the Antarctic now there are other sub-Antarctic islands which belong more to us you know like Ross Island and uh, of course and Macquarie Island Mm -hmm. yes which are sort of more south of Tassie um, between Tassie and Antarctica. So um, these, the first ones they talk about here are the Snares, the Snares Islands, and they lie about 100 kilometres southwest of the Stewart Island. And it's considered one of the most untouched and pristine areas in New Zealand. They have apparently forests of large tree daisies that just cover the island and hundreds of birds and seals that inhabit the steep, uh, steep cliffs. So it's really quite amazing. The other group is called the, or- one of the other groups, sorry, is the Auckland Islands. And it's the largest of the sub-Antarctic islands. And it's a very important breeding ground for many seabirds, including the rare yellow-eyed penguin, the white-capped mollymawk, mm. and that's a bird I hadn't even heard of, the Gibson's wandering albatross, the sooty shearwater, and the endemic Auckland shag. So it's more famous for its, its bird life. You've got Campbell Island. And uh, an English botanist called Joseph Hooker described Campbell Island as having a flora display second to none outside the tropics. Hmm. And it's particularly known for its mega herbs, um, giant perennial wildflowers, which have developed as an adaptation to the harsh weather conditions of the islands. Um, I suppose you'd be looking at going in sort of warmer time of year, like spring and or you late would, spring. Yes, summer, well, if the you ones that, to see the flowers, which I'll come. Oh, I'll, I'll get to this eventually, Jane. I'm, I'm going <laughs> there bit by do. bit. The island has been severely affected by human activity, however, in its past, uh, but since 1954. They've um, a process of pest eradication has allowed the native wildlife to return and flourish. So it's mm-hmm. very controlled now. Then there's the Bounty Islands, and they're a group of thirteen, um, which have uninhabited granite islets and numerous rocks, um, territorially part. Ter- 
Victoria, if I can get the word out, part of New Zealand. They're about 670 kilometres southeast, east-southeast of New Zealand's South Island. Um, and they're also uh, southwest of the Chatham Islands and north of the Antipodes Islands. Now, all of this is a World Heritage Site, all these islands. You don't realise till you start reading and researching how many islands there are off the bottom of New Zealand, really. It's, yeah. it's amazing. That's something uh, I've learned too. Yeah, no, it's, it's wonderful to learn, isn't it, Jane? I think we're all doing this at this time. We're all starting to learn a bit more about all sorts of things, which is a good thing. Get the mind going. Always. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, they've got the Antipodes, as I mentioned, as well. And there's another lot called the Bollins Island, which has got other smaller islets and rocks. So it's really quite amazing. The highest point on the Antipodes Islands is a Mount Galloway, which is 366 metres. And it's also the group's most recently active volcano, though an exact eruption date is unknown. But the islands are home to a wide variety of sea and landbird species, including the endemic Antipodes snipe and pipit, and two species of parakeet, including the Antipodes or unicolour parakeet. And apparently it's notable for other things, its habit of eating meat, which is most unusual in the parrot family. Um, they scavenge seabird carcasses and they even hunt small grey-backed storm petrel. Mm-hmm. Um, the plants are wonderful as well. The islands in the Antipodes are mostly covered by tussock with uh, about, um, patches sorry, of tall prickly shield fern and also in wetter areas they also get the mega herbs. So it, all the islands are really quite different and you know they've got uh, recovering slip scars they say are covered by distinctive and fragile white lichen as well. And of the 71 species of plants present on the island, only three are introduced species. So they're all particular, you know, to that, to island, that region. That yeah. region. So it's quite a special place when you think about it. We're talking travel and Sally Lucas, we're going to spoil ourselves with a little bit of luxury in Australia. Of no. course, in Australia, and I figured that money you'd save for your overseas holiday can now be well spent here. <laughs> so why not indulge in a little bit of luxury? So just a few places I'll mention. One is Heart Island Pontoon. Now, it's a heart-shaped reef in the middle of um, the Turquoise Sea of the Barrier Reef, of course, and not far from Hamilton Island. So it's accessible only by helicopter, from uh, it's owned by Hamilton Island, and this heart-shaped reef was um, was always been there, of course. But they actually put in a split-level floating destination known as Heart Island Pontoon. It only caters for six people, and it's got its own helipad, of course, there as well. So if you're wanting to do something really special, or if you're on Hamilton Island and want to do a couple of days over there, hey, how special would that be? Just sleeping over a heart-shaped reef. Sounds amazing, doesn't it? Wow, just fantastic. Now, Tassie, as we know, Tassies are going to be opening soon as well. Uh, the Bay of Fires in that area. Now, sometimes you might just want to disappear into nature. And what better way of doing it and amongst the rugged beauty of Tasmania's Bay of Fires. So there's a walk called the Wukalina Walk, which is a four-day hike, owned and operated by the Palawa, the local Indigenous community. And, of course, you're weaving away along that beautiful coastline of grassland and rocky terrain, which they supply you with lots of stories about the history and food also of the traditional owners. But even though you're communing with the great outdoors, you actually get to sleep in stunning camps with, with domed sleep 
sleeping pods all made from lovely local timber. So that's still something really nice to do as well. Mm, a little bit of luxury while you're out in nature. Why not? And in Uluru, Northern Territory, of course, uh, you can go to stay at that wonderful uh, area of around Uluru and go to Katajuta, which is your, your domes in the distance, which used to be called the Olgas, of course. They are 550 million years old. Mm. So it's quite remarkable. And you can go and stay at that lovely luxury lodge called Longitude 131. And you can then go and do the desert dinner, you know, sounds of silence and do that beautiful open air dining experience. Anyone that I know has ever done it, which I must admit I haven't, I've not ever heard a bad report about the quality of the food, the standard, but just the absolute ambience of being out there in a starlit desert night under the sky is mm-hmm. just an amazing experience. So that is something else you could consider. And also getting a little bit further down the road, you've got Nipmaluk National Park, which is about a three and a half hour drive southeast of actually Darwin. And you can go down there, which is where Catherine is. That's the area of Catherine. And you can cruise the peaceful waters there, which is a lovely thing to do, which I have done. It is beautiful. And you get these beautiful eagles, black cockatoos, cormorants, etc., all around you. And the huge sandstone you know, not cliffs, but rock, rocky formations around you, which are quite uh, remarkable, rather. You can do a lot of hiking in those areas if you want as well. There's a walk you can do through to um, Edith Falls, and that's a beautiful waterfall, gorgeous spot to have a a swim and a dip. Um, And now if you're there between May and November and out of wet season, of course, that's your safest time to go. And you can also go and hire your own canoe or kayak if you want, if you want to do that. And you can book a scenic flight over the top of the whole of Catherine Gorge from above and just see those wonderful waterfalls pouring down if you happen to be there just you know while there's still a bit of water from the end of the wet which is a lovely time to go around may um and all of that and you can stay there in this beautiful lodge lodge rather called cicada lodge it's only got 18 rooms and it's owned by the local joan people for whom nipmaluk means cicada place and so that's a wonderful lodge offering contemporary dining and local produce it can you know includes all the uh, traditional ingredients so there's some lovely things you can do in our own country and I can come up with a heck of a lot more. We're talking travel on to a new RFM and Sally Lucas, you're promising us some hot deals. I'll promise you a couple, but before I give you those, just for um, what's happening within the airline industry just for the moment within Australia, Qantas has launched two New South Wales routes, which is really lovely. So if you you know you're not up to driving or you haven't got the time to drive the first one, which I think is wonderful, is the first ever flights into Orange. And they're starting on the 20th of July. Are they going from Newcastle? No, from, from Sydney, Sydney. From Sydney, sorry. But yes, yes from Sydney, but still. Um, and also they're going to go into Byron Bay um, as well. So that's they haven't done that from, well, not Byron, Ballina, but they call it the airport for Byron Bay, you know, because that's the area most people go to. There's nothing wrong with Ballina either. But, yeah, so, I mean, that's really nice. That's just going to make it easier for, you know, people here to discover that wonderful part of Orange with its wineries and its beautiful countryside. And it's a lovely town, Orange. It is, and wonderful oh. foods and wines. Oh, yeah. Look, yeah. we had the most wonderful time out there last year and we went out there, you know, when it was all suffering from drought. But, of course, everyone's been out there recently. 
I wouldn't know it, apparently. It's all nice and green again, Excellent. which is a lovely thing. So that's just something to let you know about. Also, just another message that came through from the APT Travel Group. They're keeping us up to date as much as they can with what you know they're having to cancel. Um, all Australian tours up to and including 31st of August, they are cancelling. And all Kimberley Wilderness Adventure Land Tours departing up to including 30 September at the moment are cancelled. So they will keep us up to date on those and also a lot of the rail journeys as well. But, you know, we will always keep updating you as things come to hand. But you've got to still think ahead. So even if you're not going to travel this year... It's next year. It's next year. And I tell you what, we're halfway through this year already, so that'll be here before you know it. So... APT has got some luxury short breaks that they've put together and they've got these for the end of this year when hopefully things will be virtually back to normal. One's a Tasmanian Epicurean four-wheel drive escape. Now that sounds interesting. So you get two nights at the Sapphire Freycinet, which is one of Australia's best luxury lodges, two special degustation dinners, three nights at the beautiful Henry Jones Art Hotel in Hobart. You go to the Mona Museum, of course. You have lunch at one of the wineries. You have a driver guide wonderful stuff and you can save $300 per person on this at the moment if you book by the end of August. They've got three departures in November and one in December. There's another one. It's a seven-day South Australian Flinders Ranges and Wineries. Lovely again as well. Six nights in boutique accommodation, um, including the Louise, it's called, in the Barossa Valley, Mount Lofty House, which is a marvellous building in the Adelaide Hills. And you have a glamping night at the Ikara Safari Camp in Wilpina Pound mm. as well. Um, you dine at the Chef Hardy's Veranda Restaurant. I've dined there once. It is beautiful. Um, and, of course, you're seeing wonderful wildlife in the Flinders Ranges around Wilpina Pound, etc. And you also go to a, um, a wine master and wine pairing with Jacob's Creek. Um, and that's got a saving of $300 with two departures in October and two in November. And lastly, there's one for Western Australia. Hopefully that will open up by the time these are due to happen. And it's another six-day luxury four-wheel drive short break. So you're having five nights at the Pullman Bunker Bay Resort. And with that, you visit the spectacular Mammoth Cave, which is down in that Margaret River region, which is just a wonderful cave that's home to still um, millions of years old of fossilised ruins, which is really incredible. Um, you dine at Margaret River's famous wineries, including Lewin Estate and Bass Felix. You do a hike from Cape Naturally Stit. High, uh, lighthouse and you sample Margaret River's local produce including chocolate and nougat tastings. Oh, you're there, Sal. <laughs> yeah, so that's got three departures in October and one in November with a saving of $300 per person. Just a reminder, Jane, that with uh, Queensland, Norfolk Island has opened up as well this weekend, so there's some wonderful short stays that are operating to Norfolk. Um, just check with your travel agent. They're, you know, desperate for you to come in their doors these days and book a holiday day please um, and also there's a lovely one of Tasmania an actual fully inclusive tour which is run by Travel Marvel it's a 10 day in depth touring holiday of Tasmania which is available starting hopefully from September through to May next year and you've got a saving of $400 per couple on a 10 day holiday there and don't forget our wonderful rail journeys that you can book ahead and they book out a long way ahead just to let you know you, you might think oh I'll just book this year well already you might find you might not get on um, but, you know, certainly there is next year still there. So the GAN, the Indian Pacific, the Great Southern Rail, any of those journeys are just wonderful journeys to experience. And if there is a need to cancel on 
if they are going to cancel yes. the tour, they will be doing that. That procedure that's, that's, is fairly yes. well established now. It is now. And also with a lot of them, Jane, they're giving you a lot more flexibility, your operators now, which they really have to do with cancellation, mm-hmm. that you can cancel up to a much closer day to your departure date if things aren't quite right. And for you. For you, and then you get the credit to use, you know, within a certain period of time, etc. And also they've often got reduced deposits, so it's not as an expensive an outlay to actually book a holiday. Mm. So that's worth you know, remembering as well. We're talking travel and we'll be doing it again next Friday after the one o'clock news. Thank you, Sally Lucas. Thank you, Jane. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.